Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. By the way, y'all, uh, y'all keep this up with worship. They're going to start talking about y'all. <laughs> Woo! Y'all, y'all going to start talking about y'all. Y'all better watch out. So... That's good stuff. So, hey, thank you so much for being here today. I've, um, as I said last week, I, I've looked forward to this for a while. Now, I want to say this to you. Um, there is no way that I can finish this today. Uh, so this is kind of A, and then next week is B, okay? Um, if you were not here last week, um, I, I preached a message, and I simply entitled the message, What Do You See?, what do you see? I get accused sometimes. Um, I, I'll preach, and then I'll be at the back, and people come out, and they go, dude, you could have titled that my name. Did you know I was coming? Why, why you, did you follow me around all week? No, I did not follow you around all week. I'm busy. But sometimes it, it just feels like that I preach right at you. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you today that on Sunday afternoon, May 6th, um, I was in your shoes, and I got a post-sermon from the Father, and it was a no-doubter, and I'll share that with you in a little bit. So last Sunday, we talked about the question, what do you see? What do you see? So today, I've titled this message simply, What I Saw, What I Saw. In Acts 3... There's an account of Peter and John at the gate beautiful. I kind of shared it last week, but if you were not with us, the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost in Acts 2. In Acts 3, you see a story, an encounter of John and Peter uh, at the gate beautiful. They're going to the temple to pray. There's a crippled man there, and it says the crippled man had been there since he came from his mother's womb. And they carry him out every day, and they set him there. And he would beg for money. And people would pass by him. That particular day, um, not the first time John and Peter had been there, but, but, but Peter and John saw this man. And Peter spoke into him and said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have is better than that said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And the man immediately stood to his feet, walked into the temple, passed all the people that passed him. And it says that he began to dance and jump and praise Jesus. <laughs> I just really need to see that this side of heaven. That would really help you giddy up sometime, amen? That's good stuff. That's church. And I shared at the end of the message that each morning, ever since I got these uh, helpful old age things, 
they started printing these menus smaller and I can't order anymore, so I had to get some help to order. Poor waitress, he's like, are you going to pick something? So, uh, so I got glasses, and so I, I do not sleep in them, as most people don't do. So I laid them by my bed, so I get dressed. Each morning I put them on, and I, and I said last week that when I put them on, I simply say, God, I want to see what you want me to see today. God, I want you to, I want to see what you want me to see today. Just like Peter and John saw that. They'd seen it before, but then they saw it. I don't want to see it like I've seen it in the natural. I want to see it like I've seen it in the spirit. Because I said there's a nasty little trap out there that we are human beings born in the physical, walking in the physical world, but when you're born again, you are born again to what? A spirit, and you're spirit-filled. You walk in spirit and in truth. And so you walk in a physical world with physical eyes, but you need to live in that world in the spirit realm. And when you walk in that, in the spirit, in the truth, then my friends, I'm going to tell you right now, this world looks different. And you receive this world different. Because scripture tells us that we are only passing through. And that our job on the other side of salvation is to see what God wants us to see. So, Sunday, May 6th, just a typical Texas Sunday morning. I go to church. My house is full. I preach, and I go eat in Amarillo, and I come home, and I throw on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt, and that day I didn't need the most, so I was just chilling. And the poor rangers, mm, bless their heart, they didn't give me much to watch. <laughs> So I was like, okay. So I'm kind of don't do nothing very well. I'm not good at that. And I don't stay inside very well. And I don't sit good at all. And so I'm kind of edgy. So my sweet daughter picks up on this. And she says, Dad, I need some gas. I'm like, I'm sure you do need gas. So she says, can you take my car and go to Pakistan and fill it up? I said, Sure, baby, I'll take your car, go to Pakistan, fill it up. So I grab me a 20, and I grab her little Kia, and I take off to Pakistan. I've been to Pakistan so many times, I can't even name them, okay? Familiar as the gate, beautiful for Peter and John. So I pull up. I pay cash for gas. I'm old school. So I walk it up and pay the little lady, and I walk back and pump it. So when I get there, I pull up. I'm, I, nobody knows me in my little Kia. So I park. I go in. When I go in, I get in line. There's a gentleman in front of me. And uh, when he turns around, he sees me, and we had this encounter. He says, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I said, I'm good, man. Good to see you. And he says, how's the church? I said, church is great. He said, how's, how's Melissa? I said, Melissa's doing very well, getting stronger every day. And uh, he says, hey, good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you too. So he goes on his way. This gentleman is a church member. 
And that gentleman I have not seen in this house in probably three, four years. So I don't think a whole lot about that. I give her my 20. I say, pump four. She says, thank you, and take off. I go out to the Kia, start pumping gas and pump four. And when I went in to pay, uh, a gentleman pulled up in five next to me. And he's across the pump from me. So when I come out, he... He sees me, he goes, hey, didn't recognize you in your little cute car. And I was like, it's not my car. <laughs> I'm a Jeep man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so so I, he begins to say hi to me. I said, hey, good to see you. And he says, uh, how's Melissa? I said, Melissa's good. She's getting stronger every day. He says, how's the church? And I said, church is great. He said, man, y'all going to need more parking to the north. I said, yes, sir. Thank you. I know that. Mm-hmm. And so he pumps his gas. That's about all we do. This guy gets done. He finishes, pulls off. And yes, this gentleman is a church member also. His family joined here several years ago and have not seen them in this house in two, three years. So about the time he pulls off, when that car leaves, that truck leaves, there's a gentleman on number six or seven comes walking across. Didn't know they were over there. Didn't know he was over there. He comes over, same encounter. Hey, man, good to see you, Pastor. I said, thank you. Good to see you, too. He said, how's Melissa doing? I said, she's great. Getting stronger every day. (laughs) You push play sometimes, you know? I mean, so uh, how's the church? Church, great. Looks like it's growing. Love the new building. I said, thank you very much. I said, we miss seeing your family. I said, yeah, we've just been busy. I said, yeah, I know. Those other two guys, same thing. I didn't say that, but I was thinking the same thing. So, So he pulls off. And uh, he walks back, and I finish, and I get back in the Kia, and um, I crank it. Well, I don't crank it. I push it, and sorry. <laughs> so I push it, and so I start to drive off, and, I, and the Holy Spirit says this. They're your men. They're your families. They don't bother you anymore. I said, what do you mean it don't bother me anymore? I, it, it, listen, God, if something happened to any one of those three guys, their wife would call me first, and I'd be at their house in a minute. He said, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. They're your sheep, entrusted to you, given to you by me, and it doesn't bother you anymore. I was thinking, well, you sure are a cocky, arrogant, proud. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you're God. You can do that. So, so I pulled down 19th, and I'm going to go to my house, and I'm trying to make this voice go away. And I pulled by the church, and I, it just continues to pound at me. It doesn't bother you anymore. I said, yes, it does. But people make choices. I should not have said that. Should not have said that. So I go home, and I park the Kia, and I get out. And so the next morning, already preset and has been for a month or so, was a staff meeting off campus at a church member's home. And I was just taking the pastoral team. It was a vision dream day. And so 
we were just going to meet there first thing in the morning. So I got back, nothing really changed. The Rangers hadn't done anything more. They've done less. And so I'm like, I can't watch that. And so I decided, well, I'm just going to go get me some gas in my Jeep. So I jump in the Jeep, take off the Pack-A-Sack. I pull up and uh, walk in and said, uh, pump five. No, pump three, because I would like to go to five, and there's somebody there. I dare them. But pump three, uh, 20 bucks. So walk back out. And when I get back out there, I start the pump, and a guy pulls up in a truck. And, hey, Pastor, what you doing? I said, I'm good, man. How you been? How's your wife? I'm like, same quick. What is this? <laughs> She's good. She's getting stronger every day. No lie. Man, how's church? Church looks good. I said, we're doing good. No lie. He says, man, good to see you. He pumps his gas. I finished my gas. He's filling up uh, lawnmower stuff, and he takes off pretty quick. So he pulls off. I'm about to turn and put the gas thing back up and come in all the way from pump number eight is a gentleman. You know where we're going. Gentleman number five. Okay? Hey, man, good to see you, Pastor. Thank you. How's your sweet wife? She's doing great. She gets stronger every day. He said, how's the church? Church is great. And I'm trying to be enthusiastic about the same conversation five times in 30 minutes. And so he says, I said, man, we miss your family. He says, just been busy, kids playing. I got one this weekend, one next weekend, just doing the thing, just doing life. Life's keeping busy. He, he goes back to his truck. I jump back in my Jeep. All five men, church members, they don't attend here. They're church members. They've joined a long time ago. Their families have been here for a while. All five, none of them, none of those five I've seen within the last two years, none. Not even nowhere on the property. So I get back in the Jeep, I crank the Jeep, and I hear this again. It doesn't bother you anymore, does it? I said, I don't understand what's going on here. You need to be a little more, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. These are your men. Those are your families entrusted to you. They're your sheep. I put them there. And it doesn't bother you anymore that they're not there. I said, yes, it does bother me. But I cannot do anything about that. I can't make people go to church. I serve a great buffet up there. If they want to eat, they're welcome. But if they choose to drive by, I can't do anything about that. I got great preschool. I got great children. We got great youth. Worship second to none. The preaching's getting there, and we got great people. <laughs> and I mean, I, me and God, we are just, he is on me, and I'm just, I'm on him, if you can do that. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I love those men. I know if anything happened to them, their wives would call me. I would do their funerals. They know I love them. I'd be at their house in a minute if anything ever happened. It doesn't bother you anymore. It does bother me. It doesn't bother you anymore. I said, it does bother me. And I turned right there on that corner. And when I turned, I was facing this building. There's a cross sitting up there. And God said this. It doesn't bother you anymore, and it doesn't bother your church either. 
your church has become like you. Man, I was like, you're right. And I pulled in that handicap spot right there about 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon, and I started crying, repenting to God. I said, God, I'm sorry. But you're right. When I took this church, I was hungry. There was nobody here. And for me and my wife and my family to eat, I had to get some sheep in the seat. And I knew God put me here. And I did not let someone just decide life's got me busy. I pursued them. I chased them. I went after them. I, I was pastoring them. And I've walked in here the last two, three years, every Sunday, full house, didn't have to do squat. And I sat over there and got fat on Cheetos, not seriously on Cheetos, but I got fat and I got lazy and I got complacent. And I didn't have to do anything to have the house full. People just came. But as people came and people came and people came, people drifted. People chose for whatever reason not to be around. And God said, Jeff, if you want to be like me, you got to be like me. You got to go after people. And you can't ever stop going after people. When you stop going after people, your church is going to stop going after people because you can only go and lead what you're doing. And the hardest person you will ever lead is you. I said, You're right. You're right. So the next morning, I sat before my staff and I listened to them all morning talk about their vision for their ministries. And after lunch, it was my turn. And we got to talking. And I told them this story. And I told them that no more, no more on this watch, on my watch. No more was I going to be satisfied that every Sunday we were just full. We've got to go and pursue people. You see, there's a mindset, and I was guilty of it. You just, you serve a good buffet, and if they get hungry enough, they'll come. They get thirsty enough, they'll drink. I can't make them drink. I can't make them eat. I can only serve the good buffet, and they're welcome to come if they want to. And I'm going to tell you something. That does not line up with Scripture. It's a pretty good statement. It's a pretty bold, egotistical, cocky, arrogant statement. But I'm going to tell you, that's not Scripture. I want, to I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture, and I want you to see it. This is Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, 
I want you to look at verse 1. Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, the church, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. He pursued you. And you get too far from the fact that he pursued you, you'll stop pursuing people. And I got too far. I got too comfy. And so Operation 99 was commissioned. We, as a church, have got to get to a place where we go after every single one of them. Every single one of them. You say, well, they're not all going to come. I'm not telling you they're all going to come. Well, isn't this about salvation? Yes, it is. But it's about more than that. Operation 99 is twofold. I'll tell you the church part later. This is the individual part, okay? You've got to get to the point in your life where you've got to get a rebirth of a hunger inside of you that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. There's a boldness that comes from you. There's eyes that see. The physical world, yeah, you've been seeing it. They're supposed to come to the buffet. It's a great church. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be here. I don't either, but they're not. They're not coming. They get disengaged. Life gets them. All of a sudden, a month becomes three months. Three months becomes six. Six months becomes a year. A year becomes two, three, four, five. You got neighbors down the street. You got people next door. You got people you work with. When are we, as the little church, when the little church understands that we have got to be willing to leave the 99 and go after the one? You see, if you're like me, you're pretty content on Sunday morning that you're here. That your whole mindset is, we got to get up, get dressed, keep our kids at some type of civilness while we drive to church, get out of the parking lot, walk up as a family, and once you get in and your kids checked in and you get to your seat, you sip a coffee and go, oh, thank you, Jesus, we made it. You've been there. 
Amen? I'm not there anymore. My kids are done with college. I hope they can get themselves here, okay? They do. But that's not, that's not church. I mean, it is church. Don't kid me wrong. He, he's thrilled to death that we're here, and I love you for being here. But folks, wow. Are you seeing, literally seeing, what he wants you to see. You see, I went to a familiar place on May 6th to get a familiar thing called gasoline. I went in two very familiar cars, one extremely familiar. I saw five very familiar men, but I didn't see them the way I saw them before. I saw them this time totally different. And God impressed on me that until you change, your church won't change. And until you change, you're not being what I called you to be. You are not, Mr. Ponder, going to coast in to retirement. You're going to absolutely go hard until the day I say you're done. And your church has got to get buffed back up again to be the church that God called it to be because I am totally not done with your church having one service full. It's not what I put you here for. There's somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 homes coming to Bushland, Texas in the next five years. I'm not sure what that means to you, but what it means to me is this. You better quit worrying so much about looking at the 99 you got and realize how many ones there are on here. Quit patting yourself on the back and telling me how great you did growing a church when I didn't even scratch the surface of what I put you out there for. You're not going to sit back and eat cotton candy to the finish line. Read that, you won't get there. <laughs> You'll die. But you can you can. And so what I saw that day woke me up. And as we jump into this next week, I want to answer a couple of questions. Operation 99, as you can tell by now by the banner and the T-shirts, is no one left behind. So here's my questions for next week. What does it mean for the church? And what does it look like for our church? But today, I don't want you to worry about the church. I want you to worry about you. Who's your one? Who's your one? Some of you already right now know your one. Some of you are like, I know my one. I have known my one. And I like you, Pastor. Pretty content. I'm okay with it. It, it didn't bother me. They're not here. But I, it's got to bother me. Who's your one? If you don't know right now, you got about a week <laughs> to find out. Because next week, we're going to talk about who's my one. It can be one individual, 
most likely it'll be one family. Who's not, who's not here? Who's not here? It could be someone who used to be here. I saw five of them. And oh yeah, I'm hot on their tail. Don't worry. It could be one that does not have a church home. Oh, they attend somewhere about once a month in town, but they're not connected there. Their family's not being fed consistently there, and you know that. They need what you've got, and you've yet to take the initiative and the boldness to go after that one. You just said, well, how can you miss this place? I mean, my gosh, are we hiding out here? It's pretty easy to find us. They ought to come. It's really good. I've told them it was good. I need you to ramp that up just a little bit. I need you to leave the 99 and go after the one. I need you to ask God, who's my one? Who's my one? Listen, your pastor went to the tool shed right there in that handicap spot. I sat there for about 10 or 15 minutes just repenting to God out of not being the pastor that God's called me to be. Getting satisfied, getting lazy, and getting fat. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want to lead that church. So I'm asking my church, each one of you, to say, God, where's my one? Where's my one? Where's my one? I'll leave my 99, and I'm going to go after one. Because you left 99 to go after me. And it's the least I could do to say thank you. The least I could do. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I want you to simply, right where you are, just ask the Father, Holy Spirit, who is my one? Who is my one? I want to be like you. So many people say, I just want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? He would leave 99 and go after one. Who's my one? Some of you, your one is right beside you every single day. At work, school, neighborhood. God, show me their face. May I encounter them this week. Put them in my path. God, I want to leave the 99 and go after the one. Father, today... You've got your church right where they need to be for such a time as this. God, we'll unpack next week what it looks like for this church. But right now, what's important is what it looks like for me, the church. God, that person, that face, that family, I can see their house, I can see them, I see their kids. Their kids are connected to my kids. God, I pray that you will put a, that you will birth in me 
a hunger to leave 99 and go after that one. Just like you left 99 and pursued me. You pursued me when I wasn't even interested. But I was interested. They are too. God, we're going to stand in worship. God, if you need to move us to the altar, maybe on our knee at our seat, maybe to sit at our seat. But God, I pray you've got to birth it. If the Holy Spirit doesn't birth it, we'll do nothing with it. God, I pray you move us today. You move us for the one because it matters to that one. And it needs to matter to us again. Never let us get fat on that. Get comfortable with that. So God, stir your church today. Stir us deep. God, as we stand to worship, I pray the Holy Spirit falls fresh. You open our eyes to see what you want us to see. You put feet behind it, God. And may we be like you who left the 99 to go after that one because it matters to that one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 